Good evening, everybody. It's good to see all of you here tonight. If you haven't already done so, please turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. In a minute, we're going to be looking at verses 5 to 10. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 to 10. Can you not hear me? About now. Sometimes you think they flip the switch and the switch doesn't flip. Manny is at the age where he's beginning to be afraid of the monsters in the dark. It's becoming a pretty regular occurrence in our house for after we put him down to bed, after we've tucked him in, after we've said goodnight and turned off the lights. Hi, Manny. Become a pretty regular occurrence for him to rush out of the room screaming, Mommy, Daddy, there's something in the room that's going to get me. In those moments, we take him by the hand, take him back to his room, turn on the lights, and we look for monsters. Look in the closet. Any monsters there? No, no, just clothes, shoes, and a couple toys. How about around the bed? No, no, nothing there, just dirty clothes, hampered some dirty clothes. Look underneath the bed, anything there? No, no, just a couple toys and a little bit of dust. When he's finally come to the conclusion that there really isn't anything in his room that's going to do him harm, he settles back into bed and goes to sleep. Eventually, he'll come to learn what you and I already know, that there's nothing in the dark to be afraid of. There's no monsters there. There's nothing in his closet. It's all just a figment of his imagination. But what if I were to tell you that the fears you had as a child are true? What if I were to tell you that there really is something in the dark longing to get a hold of you? What if I were to tell you that there really is evil lurking in the darkness that desires to consume your very soul? Let's look at our text together. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5-10. through 10. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Did you catch the description of Satan? A roaming lion seeking whom he may devour. A roaring lion. When you hear that description, what comes to mind? Perhaps images are conjured up of a lion on a hunt. Stalking the savannah, carefully stalking his prey, waiting for just the right moment to strike. But I'm not quite sure that's the imagery that we're, Scripture intends for us to have. You see, a lion on the hunt doesn't roar. A roaring lion is a wounded lion. If you've ever seen a wounded predator, you know that in their pain, in their, in their agony, in their anger, they lash out at anything that comes within striking distance. I think that's the image we're supposed to have of Satan. He's been mortally wounded, and in his pain, in his anger, in his anguish, he lashes out at anything and everything that comes within striking distance, intent upon causing as much destruction as possible 
before the end of all things. We are in the midst of a spiritual battle, in the midst of a spiritual war. And we face an enemy who intends to do us harm, who wants to do as much harm to us, as much harm to our families, as much harm to the church as he possibly can before the end of all things. We face an enemy who is strong, who is powerful, who we should not face alone. And thankfully, we don't have to face him alone. Look back at our text again. Beginning in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. 1 Peter was written to Christians in the midst of suffering. Written to Christians in the midst of persecution. In fact, the entire theme of 1 Peter is how to make it through suffering, how to survive suffering, if you will. You know, when we experience suffering, when we experience the challenges of life, there's a tendency to withdraw in ourselves. A tendency to withdraw, hunker down, and kind of separate ourselves from everybody else. Perhaps this is because we bought into one of Satan's greatest lies. That nobody could understand what I'm going through. Nobody's going to understand me. Or perhaps it's because it just comes natural. That we naturally hunker down in our instincts and lick our wounds, if you will. Unfortunately, I'm not sure there's anything worse for us to do than to separate ourselves from others and just simply hunker down. Because it is when we are by ourselves, when we feel alone, when we are alone, that we are at our most vulnerable. Cast all your anxieties upon Him because He cares for you. Every good father wants to know when something's going on in this child's life. Sure, he wants to know the good things that are going on, but when something bad is happening, when he's struggling with something, when she's facing the first breakup with a boyfriend, dad wants to know. Dad wants to know that something's going on. Throughout the New Testament, God is described as our father. Never has there been a better father, and never will there be a better father than him. And he desires for us to communicate, yeah, the things that are going good in our lives, but also the challenges and the struggles that we have. God desires to be involved within our lives. But He's also capable of acting in our lives. Verse 6 talks about humble yourself before God, which stems from the idea of the fear of God. It's unfortunate that in recent years, the fear of God has kind of gotten a bad rap. Maybe that's because when we hear the idea of fear, we immediately think of a phobia, some kind of irrational fear about something. Or maybe it's because in years gone by through sermons like Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, we focus so much upon fearing God and the fear of Him that perhaps we neglected His love as well. For whatever reason, the fear of God has gotten a bad rap here pretty recently. But fear is kind of a double-sided coin. My son fears my wrath. He doesn't really want to get in trouble whenever he disobeys. Yet, at the same time, when he hears noises at night and his imagination starts to play tricks on him and he thinks that there's monsters in the closet, who does he come get? Well, Dad. Because in his mind, Daddy's big, Daddy can take care of the monsters. 
when we begin to recognize our infinite smallness with respect to God's greatness, His immense power, the Almighty God, we should fear Him because He is bigger than we are. Yet that should also provide us with a sense of comfort for because He is so big, He is bigger than the challenges and the problems and the struggles of our lives. God wants to be involved in our lives. And what's more, He is capable of affecting the outcome. If you hear nothing else from this lesson, remember, you are not alone. You are not alone. Let's look back at our text again. Backing up to verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. The idea here is, is yielding towards one another. Yielding to the needs of each other. Look, looking out for one another, if you will. See, when we face challenges, when we face the struggles of life, we don't have to face them by ourselves. We have a family, brothers and sisters, who would gladly help share the load, who would gladly help see us through life if we will allow them to. As I was preparing this lesson, there was one song that kind of kept going through my head a little bit. Chances are you're probably familiar with it. It's Lean On Me. Remember how it goes? Sometimes in our lives we all have pain, we all have sorrows, but... If we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. For it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. The message of that song is, when you got stuff going on in your life, come find me and we'll get through it together. When I've got stuff going on in my life, I'll come find you and we'll figure this life out together. You don't have to go through life on your own facing struggles all by yourself. But the second line I think is important as well. Please swallow your pride. If I've got things you need to borrow, for no one can know those of your needs if you don't let them show. And when we face challenges and struggles within life, there's a tendency to kind of you know, hunker down and kind of fall into our own selves, if you will. But if we're honest, I suspect there are times when we kind of wish somebody could read our minds. When we kind of wish somebody would just notice that something's going on in our lives and fix it. Unfortunately, that's not realistic. None of us are mind readers. See, part of being in the family of God, part of having brothers and sisters is communicating the challenges that we have. Because the people sitting around you want to help you make it through life, but we can only do that so much if you don't let us know what's troubling you, the challenges that you're facing. You are not alone. Kind of an encouraging thought that we, we serve a God who wants to be involved in our lives and who's big enough to affect the outcome. 
and that we have each other, that we don't have to face this life all on our own. That we'll shoulder each other's burdens. And yet, while it's an encouraging thought, it's also a bit of a challenging thought as well. Back at our text one more time. Verse 9. Resist him, that is Satan, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You are not alone. Movie Hacksaw Ridge tells the story of the life, or tells the story of Desmond Doss. And Desmond Doss is the only conscientious objector in World War II to receive the Medal of Honor. Doss's platoon was tasked with taking a ridge that would come to be known as Hacksaw Ridge because of the amount of blood loss. And one day, as the platoon was attempting to take this ridge, they were forced back by the Japanese soldiers and forced into a retreat. And as they ran towards the edge of the cliff to retreat away, Doss stopped and suddenly remembered all of his comrades who were on the battlefield behind him. And ignoring the risk to his life, he turned and ran right back into the firefight, intent upon rescuing every soldier that he could. And so one by one, he rescued his fellow comrades, dragging them to the edge and lowering them to safety, all the while praying to God, please, Lord, let me get one more. Should that not be a battle cry of the church? Please, Lord, let me get one more. When we face the challenges and struggles of life, we're faced with choice. That is, we can retreat to ourselves and we can focus on our own challenges, we can focus on our own struggles and our own difficulties. Or, we can choose to cast our cares and anxieties on our God, who is strong enough and big enough to affect the outcome of our lives. And we can communicate to our fellow brothers and sisters that I've got something going on and they'll be happy to help us carry that load. And then we begin to look and ask the question, whose load can I lighten? See, you are not alone doesn't just mean that I have others. Just as I have a responsibility to Chuck, so he has a responsibility to me. And just as the person beside you has a responsibility to you, so you have a responsibility to them. You are not alone. We are in the midst of a spiritual war. We have a choice to make. We can focus so much on our own challenges and our own sufferings and our own difficulties that we neglect the world and allow that world to go straight to hell. Or, we can allow our battle cry to be, please Lord, let me get one more. A cry that begins in this room. Because in this room, we have individuals who are going through challenges and going through sufferings and experiencing the difficulties that life has to offer. We're in the midst of a spiritual war. And if you listen, you can hear the cries of your fellow brothers and sisters as they scream on the battlefield in agony, waiting for you 
to come rescue them and waiting for you to come save them. Waiting for you to be the shoulder to cry on. Waiting for you to help shoulder that load. The only question is, what will you do? You are not alone. Perhaps tonight you're here and you haven't yet accepted Christ. And if you haven't, unfortunately you're facing a powerful enemy all by yourself. And there's nothing that would delight us, nothing that would delight God more than you're choosing to put Him on in baptism so that you no longer fight this fight all by yourself. Or perhaps you're here and you've been fighting this fight on your own. Yeah, you, you've accepted Christ, but you've kind of been going through everything all by yourself. And perhaps you'd like to let us know that there's something going on in your life. Or maybe you've been entirely focused on your own struggles, on your own challenges, the neglect of everything else, and you want to make a change. If there's any way we can assist you tonight, won't you come as together we stand and sing?